But even if your calcium score is zero, which means you're at low risk for a heart attack, with high blood pressure, you can still pop a hole in your head. It's called a cerebral hemorrhage. Damage the arteries going up to the brain. It's called a stroke. You can send yourself into atrial fibrillation, heart failure, damage your kidneys, damage your eyes. Blood pressure is always bad news in everybody, whether you're 20 or 90, and always needs to be managed. Doesn't mean it always needs pills, but it always needs to be managed. Welcome to the Eat, Live and Move podcast by Miyagi, a space where we bring you the latest science fact conversations, expert insights and practical tips relating to all things health and wellness. Hello, I'm Dr. Gina Cleo, your personal habit change expert. Hello, I'm Dr. Ross Walker, a cardiologist and preventative health expert. Together with our 60 plus years of collective experience, mostly thanks to Ross, we're on a mission to help you improve your health and transform your habits so you can eat, live and move better one episode at a time. We are not about the fluff or the fads. So today we are going to talk about a topic that affects a lot of people and certainly one of Ross's favorite things to talk about, and that is high blood pressure or also known as hypertension. We're going to explore what hypertension is and how it affects our health. So Ross, can you explain in lay terms so the listeners can understand what is blood pressure and why is it important? Well, blood pressure is, strangely, the pressure running through your arteries. So for just a a bit of cardiac disease 101, the heart pumps, pumps blood out into the aorta under a high pressure, then into all the blood vessels in the body. And that's the arteries. Then the oxygen's pumped to the tissues, and then they come back through the veins, deoxygenated blood through the low pressure veins into the right side of the heart, into the lungs, back into the left side of the heart, pumped under high pressure. So it's just a continuous circulation all day, every day, keeps me in a job. So what blood pressure is, is firstly, there's two components. There's the systolic component, which is the top reading, and the diastolic component, which is the bottom reading. Now, the systolic component is really the force of contraction of the heart. I'll get on to why that's important in a second. And the diastolic component is the resting tone in the arteries. So in between beats. Now, the interesting thing is that I'm only interested in a cardiologist as a cardiologist as the person's blood pressure when they're at rest. Because, for example, if not that a lovely girl like you would do this, Gina, but if you had a screaming argument with your next door neighbor and I checked your blood pressure. Oh, I would. Yeah, but, well, if I checked your, I, he's a bit of a pain in the ass, that guy. No, no. But, but if, <laughs> he's not. But if I checked, I'm kidding. If I checked your blood pressure during that, it would be probably, even though it might be 110 on 70 normally, which is normal, it might go up to 160, 170. Not interested in that. I'm interested in what I call blood pressure reserve, which is what you can get down to when you're rested. Because if you can't get down to, below 120 over 80, that's millimetres of mercury, then you've got a problem with blood pressure, but never on a one-off me- measurement. So I, I, if I'm going to start people on pills, and I can talk about all the things we can do about blood pressure, I want to demonstrate over a few months that their blood pressure is consistently well above 120, 130 over 70 over 80, because that would justify being on medications, but there's a lot more things we can do with blood pressure. Okay, and why is that so important? Why is even the conversation about blood pressure well, important? Well, in my view, blood pressure is the most important cardiovascular risk factor, more important than cholesterol. And especially if you're over 60, blood pressure is 
much more important. And here's the other thing. I, I, I pioneered in Australia about 25 years ago a thing called coronary calcium scoring, which takes a snapshot of the arteries, measures how much muck you've got in your arteries. But even if your calcium score is zero, which means you're at low risk for a heart attack, with high blood pressure, you can still pop a hole in your head. It's called a cerebral hemorrhage. Damage the arteries going up to the brain. That's called a stroke. You can send yourself into atrial fibrillation, heart failure, damage your kidneys, damage your eyes. Blood pressure is always bad news in everybody, whether you're 20 or 90, and always needs to be managed. doesn't mean it always needs pills, but it always needs to be managed. Wow. Okay. Absolutely makes sense. And what are the impacts of high blood pressure on our health? Okay. Well, firstly, you, you might also have muck in your arteries for other reasons, including blood pressure. Increases your risk for a heart attack. Increases your risk for sudden cardiac death. Increases your risk for a stroke. The two major risk factors for stroke, high blood pressure and a thing we call atrial fibrillation. There are other things. I think we should actually dedicate an entire podcast to stroke at some stage and talk about that. What is stroke? What are the causes of stroke? What can you do about it? Put it into some perspective for people. can damage your kidneys. So that uh, one of the major causes of kidney damage is, is high blood pressure and throw diabetes on top of that. Affect your vision. It can damage the blood vessels in the back of the eyes. But it can also lead to aneurysms in the chest. We call them thoracic aneurysms, which can dissect open, abdominal aortic aneurysms, aneurysms in your legs, and aneurysms in your brain as well. So anywhere in the body, aneurysms are made worse. They're weaknesses in the lining of blood vessels made worse by high blood pressure. Wow. Okay. That is a lot more than I was expecting you to say. Sorry. It's how... No, no, not not in a bad way. I'm, I just didn't expect you to say things like kidneys and yeah, eyes yeah. and all that thing that related back to blood pressure itself. I know that diabetes, for example, has impact on those other organs. I know that even if I have way too much sugar, my eyes burn. And I think it's because my the poor little vessels in my eyes are like, too much sugar. But I, don't, no, but no, I no, didn't no. expect it to be blood pressure. Well, well too much sugar also sucks yeah. fluid into the cataracts and can swell the eyes up a bit as well. So that's another oh, reason. Yeah. That's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Not good. It doesn't happen often, I have yeah. to admit. So, so I think we should move on now that I've explained all of that. Yeah. But firstly, you established blood pressure, as I said, by people checking their blood pressure regularly. And again, I've got some p patients who check their blood pressure four times a day, and I tell them to get a life. That's just being neurotic. So, so what I say to people, firstly, here's a few blood pressure checking rules. Never check it first thing in the morning. Why? Because you go from being very very asleep to very awake. We're woken up by a thing called an alarm clock. So boom. So your blood pressure is always highest when you first wake up. Your blood's always thicker when you first wake up. And your blood vessels are shut down when you first wake up. So it's not a good thing to check your blood pressure in the morning. I say, and cortisol. Yeah, we cortisol. We have more cortisol yeah. first thing All in the morning. All of those things up goes your blood pressure. So I say to people, wait mm -hmm. till around 10 a.m., Sit quietly in a room by yourself with the cuff on your arm for five minutes before you check it, and I want it to be sitting 120 over 80 or below. Now, if it's 125, I'm not going to throw a pill at you, but I just want to get the trend. Then I say, do that one week, maybe the next week at 3 o'clock, next week at 9 o'clock, and get about three months' worth of data. Never start on a pill just because your GP's picked up your blood pressure as being high. That's nonsense. Another thing you can do is a 24-hour blood pressure monitor, 
which measures your blood pressure when you're asleep because there are things called non-dippers and these are people whose blood pressure drops down when they go to sleep that's exactly what it should do if you are so if you're a dipper at nighttime that's very good if you're a non-dipper which means it doesn't drop down then that's a very bad sign for blood pressure so there are a few bad signs one is poor control when you check it over a few months two is is not dipping when you go to sleep Three is your blood pressure going through the roof when you exercise. So when I put someone on a treadmill, I always check their blood pressure. It starts at, say, 140 and goes up to 230. That's a very bad sign. And the other one, as a cardiologist, we do an ultrasound of the heart, have the walls of the heart thickened up because of the blood pressure. Another very bad sign. Right. And is it kind of like weighing yourself where you want to do it at roughly the same time every no, day? So you no, said no. 10 a.m., then 3, 3 p.m. and then very So, But is it... Would you do it at the same time that whole week? No, 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 no. You know, okay. No, you just do it once a week at 10 o'clock. Oh, once a week. week okay, got o'clock. you. So I had a patient I saw the other day who was only checking his blood pressure at 9 o'clock at night. I said, well, this tells me nothing. I said, yeah, okay. Fascinating. Got it. So that's the way to do it. This doesn't work with developing a habit, Ross, because you're meant to do it at the same time or the same place every yeah. day. But we don't really want to develop a habit of checking our blood no, pressure, do no, we? We, we? just we want to have you good blood pressure. Yeah, you just want to make sure you establish it because blood pressure varies like this in everyone all over the place. But it's whether, say there's 100, that's 120. It's whether it's more like this than more like that. So, And you'll get that from measuring it over three months. Okay. And what are some things, say, say someone comes to you and their blood pressure is just a little bit high. They haven't tried any sort of lifestyle things to get it down yet. What are some things that you would send them off to do before putting them on medications? Oh, easy. That's, that's a great question. And But before I, I just want to say one more thing about blood pressure. If you check your blood pressure and it's normally 130, 140, and then it jumps up to 180, 200, don't waste your time getting out of your nice warm bed. You shouldn't be checking blood pressure when you're asleep anyhow. But don't waste your time getting out of your nice warm bed or just at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's 200, 200 systolic. Don't go to a hospital. You're wasting your time. You're wasting the staff's time. Just wait and let it settle down and just check it a few times over the next few days and see what it's doing. You're not going to have a stroke just because it shoots up to 200. It will come down and your doctor can deal with it uh, as time goes on. So it is not um, – blood pressure is never – a medical emergency unless it's associated with symptoms such as chest pain that's a medical emergency crushing headache that's a medical emergency but not just blood pressure by itself okay okay so what can we know. do there are five non-pharmacologic things you can do number one is lose the belly fat reduce your abdominal waist circumference that that is the number one thing and if all my patients lost 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 kilos, depending on how much they need to lose, I'd be twiddling my thumbs all day. I'd have nothing to do. So the true pandemic of the 21st century is not the coronavirus. It is diabetes. So losing abdominal fat, number one. Number two is three to five hours every week of moderate exertion. That really helps blood pressure. Two-thirds cardio, third resistance training. Number three, avoid sugar and salt like the plague, especially salt. See, the, pro the problem is most people in Australia get double the recommended intake of salt from the World Health Organization. So markedly dropping your salt down certainly can help control your blood pressure. There's a wonderful thing called the DASH diet. Google DASH diet. It's very much like a Mediterranean diet with significant reduction in salt. 
Yeah, and I think even though saying like reducing our salt and sugar intake is a really great theory, I think it can be really hard, especially if we're not somebody who consciously adds salt to our foods. Like if salt is just in the foods that we're already eating, probably because they're processed or probably because we don't actually check the labels, then sometimes we don't actually think we're using much salt at all, but we are, right? So in those cases, it's trying to find salt-reduced things if that's what we need to do. Like, for example, stock, classic one. There's always a stock, salt-reduced stock or uh, making things at home or just checking labels and understanding what goes into our food. Even sometimes sweet foods full of salt and sometimes sugary foods. Wait, the other way around. Yeah, sugary foods are full of salt and salty foods are full of sugar and it's really just about understanding those nutrition information But panels. people also don't realise 80, 80% of the salt we get is in foods that we wouldn't even think about. So I'll give you just a few examples. Tomato sauce is full of salt. Vegemite, peanut butter, things like that. So even, even a lot of people who drink soda waters, mineral waters that have a lot of salt in them. Margarines, full of salt. So people have to start to learn what foods are full of salt and what are not. And if you reduce those, you can help reduce your blood pressure. So let's move on to grog. One of the commonest causes of blood pressure in the office the next day is people have had a, a, a fair bit of alcohol the night before. And people don't, again, I saw a woman the other day who had significant abdominal obesity. She said to me, Dr. I don't eat much, but she has a bottle of wine every day. There's, there's a thousand calories before you put it in, and it dries up your blood pressure. So keep your alcohol intake, one or two glasses, most days of the week, have a day or two off. And, and I say you're a habit expert, Jenny, but I say to people, why have a day or two off at alcohol? It doesn't give your liver a rest. The reason you have the day or two off at alcohol is to prove that you can, because if you can't take a day off alcohol, you've got a problem with alcohol. And then number five, which is uh, something that uh, many people are struggling to do in this crazy world we live in is manage your stress. So people are under enormous stress at home or stress at work. It's going to drive their blood pressure through the roof. So those five things can really help drop your blood pressure. Then the, uh, the there's three natural supplements that do help. There's all the bergamot products that I talk about. That really helps. The best one is BJE100. I can't, on a, on a national podcast, I can't actually give you the product name, but BJA100, then Kyolic Garlic, two capsules in the morning. Now, again, I'm just giving you the, the generic name, not the product name. And you're more of an expert in this area than me, and you'll like this one, but two small pieces of high-potency dark chocolate has been shown to lower blood pressure as well. So they're the, they're the three natural supplements that can help. And then finally, get your sleep apnea sorted out. All Males and all postmenopausal females have a degree of sleep apnea. Treating sleep apnea will help lower blood pressure. Yes, yeah, so interesting. Can I go back to what you were saying before about um, relaxation and reducing our stress? Yep, yep. What are your sort of top tips? I know that you're a man who meditates every single day. Absolutely. What do you tell your patients around what they can do to manage their stress? I talk to them about meditation. I think I'd, I like my patients to learn meditation. A study out of Circulation, one of the great cardiology journals in the world, showed that people who are regular practitioners of meditation have a 50% reduction in cardiovascular disease and it significantly reduces blood pressure. So I, I think I, I talk to them about that, but I also talk to them about just simple things, having time off, doing things for themselves, having a massage 
exercise is, is clears your head. So, so just good time management, declutter your life, develop good habits rather than bad habits, get all the antagonisms out of your life. I, the, one of the most healing things you can do for any anybody who's traumatized you is forgive and move on. So when I talk about all these victim nonsense that people carry on about with the, the, the wound open on the sleeve and they're always wanting to talk about their traumas, I, I mean, I, there's, it's legitimate that people do that. But the most healing thing they can do for themselves, forgive, move on, get on with their lives. So there's some of the tips I give my patients about relaxing and managing their stresses. Some of them. I go, Yeah, I love uh, that. I can do a whole talk on internal, external happiness, which would be a good thought for another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> But, and back to chocolate, because we have to talk about that again. Yeah, I, what is it in the dark chocolate that helps? Oh, it's the polyphenols, the plant chemicals. So the, oh, so, so love it. The, the polyphenols that you get in the bergamot products, and you get in ca- caffeine, which is, that's got the, the cocoa in it, and, and the, the cocoa in uh, dark chocolate, that really helps open up blood vessels and drop the blood pressure. Okay. And with that then, what about low blood pressure? What happens if we have low, low blood pressure? Oh, that's a totally different story. You see, some people just naturally have low blood pressure and it doesn't hurt them at all, except from days they get very dehydrated and they get dizzy. Uh, but if you have persistent low blood pressure, you must try to seek a medical cause for that. And that's, again, that's another different topic. That would take us another okay. hour to go through that one. So that's another podcast. Right. Do we come out with thought. some great podcast ideas? But <laughs> I think we've got to then move on to medications. All right, let's do it. Yeah, see, with with medications, the blood pressure medications that are available these days are highly effective, highly safe. They've got good 30-year data, so people think, oh, I don't want these dreadful pharmaceutical drugs. They're shocking. But uh, if pe- some people come to my office and they go, oh, doctor, I don't want pills. And, they, and, and I go, why not? Well, I don't want to put synthetic things in my body. When they've got makeup on and they use deodorant and they swallow all this stuff, the synthetic rubbish masquerading as food and I just don't get it I, I mean look look the worst thing in here is a stroke or a heart attack or kidney damage or whatever from the blood pressure so if your blood pressure despite doing everything we've said by all means try that at home first but but by doing everything we've said if it's still not getting down to 120 130 you probably need a pill and it's more the norm for people over the age of 60 to have high blood pressure than it is the exception. So we've got all these different types of drugs. There are five main groups of blood pressure pills that, that we use, but there are other blood pressure pills as well. We've got so many tricks, and I'll get onto an exciting trick that I mentioned on my radio show the other night. But these five five different groups, there's a thing called, and I think the best ones are, are called angiotensin receptor blockers, another drugs called, group of drugs called ACE inhibitors. Then there are calcium channel blockers, diuretics and beta blockers so they're the five main groups of blood pressure pills and basically what's the best one the one that works for you so each one has a potential for side effects so i line up 100 people give them any drug for anything 90 think i'm a genius and 10 want to throw it at me because there's about a there's about a 10 percent side effect rate with all medications and the common side effects of any drugs are headache dizziness nausea vomiting constipation diarrhea skin rash any drug can do that. But then there are specific drug side effects in, in for each system. So the angiotensin receptor blockers, not so much. There's not many specific side effects for them. The ACE inhibitors, 10% of people get a dry cough. 
So they go off to their doctor. I think there's something wrong with their lungs. They have all these tests. No, it's the drug doing it, 10% ACE inhibitors. With the calcium channel blockers, the typical side effect there, they swell your legs. So people get swollen legs. They think they're going to heart failure. No, it's the drug. So it's all individual stuff. The uh, the diuretics can can cause, well, the diuretics obviously make you pass a bit of urine, so you're passing more urine. They can put up your sugar levels sometimes, sometimes affect the cholesterol. And then the beta blockers can make you tired. For males, can give a degree of erectile dysfunction. Often people get funny dreams. So again, some people do really- No wonder they want to throw it no, at that's you. That's right. So, so, but some people <laughs> feel so much better on these drugs. And so, so it, it's just a matter of finding out what works for you. And also, I just want to finish off with one thing, the thing I said on my show the other day. There is there's a, new, a new drug out called Zilbesaran, which is an injection once every six months for people who just aren't compliant with medications because 70% of people after 12 months are not taking the drug prescribed or taking the dose prescribed. So this is an injection every six months that drops your blood pressure about 20 millimeters of mercury, which is better than a pill. So there's all wow. these exciting new things wow. are coming through for the management of blood pressure. There's some kidney procedures that can be done. There's some procedures on the carotid body. There's a lot of stuff happening in the blood pressure space. So the point I make here is if you have blood pressure, please don't put up with it. Get it treated. Some of these side effects sounds like they suck. If somebody was experiencing those, what do they do? Do they get off it or do oh, they come no, back to their doctor? always talk to your doctor about it. Is it. The prescribing doctor, it's his or her responsibility to deal with the with the um, the side effects of the drugs and to then find something else because at the moment it's just suck it and see. At some stage in the near future, we'll be able to do pharmacogenomics to find out who's going to respond well to which drug. But at the moment, we're not there, especially in the blood pressure space. So you go back to your doctor and say, "Look, you gave me this pill. It's just not working. It's giving me this side effect. What should I do next?" So don't just stop it and don't go back to the doctor. That's craziness because then you'll potentially suffer all the issues of having uncontrolled blood pressure. Great advice, Ross. You are a wealth of knowledge, especially when it comes to all things heart and blood pressure. Well, it is my job. <laughs> it is your job. You're brilliant at it. Thank you. Thank you. So cool. so before we wrap up today's episode, we're going to finish with our member question of the week, which was from Trish, who says, why are we scared of success? I think this has sounded like one for you, Jen. This does not apply to my career, but does for my weight loss when I achieve my goal I don't maintain my healthy lifestyle and unhealthy eating creeps back in. Dr. Gina, I'd love your thoughts on this. Halfway through the program, going well so far and don't want my negative mindset to take over again. Over to you, Gina. Trish, thank you for the question. I think there are so many avenues that I can answer this one. But the first thing that comes to mind is the number one predictor of success, and that is self-efficacy or the belief in our own ability to achieve a task. And that has been shown to be the number one predictor of success. Now, if you have had a cycle in the past where you have started a healthy lifestyle program and you're eating well, and then you've gone back into your, I guess, previous habits, and that's been a cycle of yours, then your self-efficacy is going to say to you, what's the point in doing this? You're just going to fall back into your old habits again. And so this self-belief becomes almost like this self-fulfilling prophecy and you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel because that has been the pattern for you. And so one of the ways that you can get around that is firstly starting small, doing a lot of visualization work, which I know as a researcher sounds like a very woo-woo thing to say, but there's a lot of research around visualization. Literally sit there, visualize yourself, achieving, getting halfway, 
and doing really well than getting all the way at the end of your program and still doing well. It's going to make a really big difference. And then change things up. I just sit with yourself, know the things that you're good at, remind yourself of the times you have had wins in the past and really try to shift that negative mindset. I would do that before starting another program because that's going to carry you through to the end. That would be my response to you, Trish. I hope that helps. Sounds like fantastic advice. (laughs) Thank you, Dr. Ross. That brings us to the end of this week's episode on Eat, Live and Move with Miyagi. Whatever platform you're listening to today, please hit subscribe. We love having subscribers and it helps us a lot. But that is all from us today. So thank you again and we'll see you next week. Bye.